Welcome back to Night Talk on 702 and Cape Talk, the Friday edition of the show, which means I have the pleasure of hanging out with a really cool South African. And as mentioned earlier on in the show, we're hanging out with Dr. Cyril Madigana, who is a medical doctor, recently featured in Mail and Guardian's uh, Top 200 Young South Africans list for 2017, and a man who seems to collect degrees in J. Just Kellis. Uh, he joins us in studio this evening. And in fact, when I mentioned you earlier, we got an SMS um, on 31702 it says Sivu so proud to be your colleague you're an excellent caring doctor and you really are a patient advocate so before we've even spoken to you oh. someone's quite <laughs> glad that we're going to speak to you uh, that's amazing thank you for joining us good evening thank you for having me so uh, so you're, you're a doctor but also a stylista fashion icon how do those things happen actually no, man, I think people never know how to put all those things together. Yeah. Um, but just for, from my perspective anyway, um, I just do everything that makes me happy. Mm. So whether it is school that gives me the satisfaction, yeah. whether it is getting dressed up, um, I'm trying to make a business out of it, or whether it is you know, being an advocate. So I just do all the things that make me happy and they somehow integrate into the person that I am. Mm. So medicine, how does medicine become the thing you want to do? And do you decide medicines, your, what you want to do with your life or one of the things you want to do? Cause you do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Medicine's one of them. So for me, how it kind of began and there's a, you know, like growing up, you always try to figure out what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So I think I started reading, um, the, the Vis Prospectus and UJ and UCT when I was in grade 10 or something. Mm. Uh, my mom is a nurse by profession. Mm. So, and my dad used to work in the hospital as well. So I've, I've always grown up in that environment where it's, it's, it's the hospital, it's medical stuff. Um, but I never thought I had it in me to become a doctor because I thought you needed to like have like excellent marks. Yeah. Like probably, I don't know. 99% like, for maths. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but what I realized though when I was in matric was that um, the more I read and the more I found out about things, the more I went to universities to go find out. They were like, they want compassionate people. They want people that have personality more than just the brains. Mm. And, 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 and thank God for me that I had both the brains and the personality to kind of put it all together. Yeah. I was a school leader. So I, I was quite caring about other people around me. And I also had to come to a point where I had to decide what kind of career I need to go into. I know I could never be an engineer because I don't think spatially. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I couldn't be a designer because I can draw, but not that well, you mm. know. So you have to kind of like figure out the kind of things that you want to do with your life. And so I went to medical school. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm great. I'm going to help people. I had like this dream of working for the UN and helping out kids. Yeah. You know, you have all these dreams. And that's how I got into the healthcare industry when I went to this medical school. So your parents were both in, in health. Yeah. And you say you, you were around, I guess, hospitals. and So were you one of those kids that wasn't afraid of needles? Hospitals didn't have, you know, the hospital smell? You know that smell of hospitals? Yeah, as soon as you walk in, yeah, there's you, like you, this. There's, there's a, so were you that kid that just loved hospitals? You weren't afraid of hospitals? Because I think for many, maybe I'm projecting, I was terrified of hospitals. In fact, I'm still terrified of hospitals. Really? Still scared of needles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea that hospitals, any hospital could be like a, oh, this is a cool space. It's just, it's weird to me. So were you, you know, from a young age, quite fascinated by the space and not afraid of it? Because I think we're also taught to be afraid of it. Or you expect to be afraid. People go, oh, you're going to hospital tomorrow. Don't worry, you'll be fine. And you're like, wait, I wasn't worried, but now I am. <laughs> I suppose part of it is that I was never really a sickly kid. Mm-hmm. So I've never had to 
to be in the hospital much. Actually, I've never slept in a hospital, personally speaking, like because really? I'm sick. Yeah. So and and but I I grew up with that exposure. So um, I was never afraid of needles. I never afraid of going into the, into the environment. It. it I suppose I was brave in a sense. Mm. Um, so I, I've never been a kid who was afraid of those kind of things. Maybe really? it's just, perhaps it's just you. <laughs> no, I, I'm pretty sure it's not just me. There are many of us who have legitimate fears about needles. So, okay, so then you decide vets. Why vets? Why, how do you decide vets? All right, so it's, as, as a black child, you, so sometimes you don't have that many options. Mm. Um, I wanted to apply to UCT, but my mom was like, listen, we don't have the money. If you go to UCT, which is far off on the other side of life, because we're from Johannesburg, mm. um, she was like, you go starve there. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be and lost. Then, but, and yeah. yeah, but more importantly, like my, my family members also went to vets. So it was a varsity that I already knew, that I was quite familiar with because I'm mm. from around here. And it's, it's one of the best medical schools. Mm. Um, so when I got in, I was quite ecstatic because it wasn't the only course I applied for. I applied for a lot of other things. But when I got into this medical school, I was just like excited about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that's, that's how my decision came about, really. So when you go into medical school, what do you expect? Are you, because I mean, again, you, through anecdotes of people speaking, it sounds like quite a tough, grueling couple of years mm. uh, to you know to eventually be able to call yourself a, a doctor of any kind and did you anticipate it to be tough and was it tough I mean what was your experience of med school I think going into medical school part of part of it is that we're not fully exposed to it we're exposed to part of it mm-hmm. in the sense that it's the TV dramas that you watch um, it's it's I remember at some point in time we had a, a, a program on one of the television stations called Josie H so I used to kind of yes. think maybe that's how it's going to be um, but going in all, all I heard was you know there's this first year which is at main campus where you do the physics and the chemistry etc but as you're going in, the first year is not really medical school. It's only when you go into second year. By, mm-hmm. by the time you go into second year, you already have expectations because the older guys have told you this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't lie, it was a tough experience. It, really? It was, it was a grueling experience. It's, it was, they were not just testing your, your intelligence, um, your capacity to remember stuff. But I remember at the end, we had a, we, we had a, we had a talk with our professors and part of it was that they had to kind of like break us down mm-hmm. to rebuild us up again because we're taking care of human beings mm-hmm. um, and our lives have to be centered around our patients as much as it's centered around us. But we have to remember that our patients are our main focus. Mm-hmm. And, and literally those, those six years, is, it's work, it's, it's, it's intense. Um, as, as, as you go into like fifth and sixth year, I mean, you're mm-hmm. writing exams every six weeks. Every six weeks is an exam. Sure. Um, you have to move on to surgery, move on, uh, internal medicine, move on, it's something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it, it wasn't easy, but it, it's possible. Mm-hmm. That, that was my biggest thing. I was like, if I could pass it, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Although we already established that you have brains. So going in, <laughs> you know, we already knew that. So when you when you then decide medicine, do you know what kind of medicine or what area of medicine or either the you know the public or the private sector? Are you clear about what you want to do? So it's it's what what became quite obvious for me when I was in it already. I was like, I I I want to continue, but I'm not sure to do what. Hmm. I mean. 
all we really get told at, 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 at varsity is that, you know, you, you finish med school, you go do internship, come serving, you go specialize. And, mm-hmm. and uh, for me, I wasn't really feeling any of the specialities. But when we're in third year, we, we got introduced to public health. And as soon as I had my first lecture, it made sense to me. It, it was, I was like, this is what I want to do. Mm. Um, the, the concept that you have the power or rather you, you've got the knowledge to, to save populations and not just one individual at a time, mm. it completely made sense to me. And, and especially it was around the time when they were introducing the whole NHI idea. Yes. And I'm a big uh, supporter of the NHI. So it, it, for me, it just made sense that we're here to take care of people and take care of people who can take care of populations. Mm. And that's what I wanted to do mm. from then on. So uh, a good friend of mine, very smart person who used to be part of um, the National Planning Commission said to me once, it was actually on New Year's Eve two years ago, she said South Africa's public health system has a customer service issue in terms of the skills, in terms of the people in there, the actual brains, the hands with some of the best. What lets them down is the kind of service that people then get. And I, and I always thought that was very, very interesting. And, and how we got onto it is uh, someone was saying, you know, you know, if you, I don't know why we're discussing this on New Year's, but saying, what hospital would you want to go to if you were in, you know, an accident? She said, without a doubt, one of our public hospitals. And she mentioned uh, the Steve Beaker Academic Hospital. She mentioned um, Charlotte Matlick. And she said, some of the best minds work in those buildings. What lets them down is I guess the service and the first experience of uh, the system is what lets them down. And I always thought that was very interesting. Mm. Is that a fair assessment of the public health system or part of an assessment of the public health system? Yeah, I think what people need to understand and something that I advocate for is kind of we need to put ourselves in the shoes of the workers that are at the forefront. So Mm. I currently work, work in both private and public, but I work in in primary healthcare level, we mm. are at literally at the forefront as in patients come to us before we send them to the hospital. So mm. we, that's how the referral system that we work with. Mm. But currently at the time, I think I see about 50 patients a night, which is a lot. Um, and on the face of that, there are times where we face with very minimal resources. Mm. Um, you get frustrated and, and that's, that's where the problem is in that we inundated with with capacity, but we don't have the capacity to treat the patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, by the time patient number 40 gets to me at four o'clock in the morning, things are a bit rough at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Rough me, for you and them. Yeah, rough for me and them. Because sometimes they're also coming back. They, they're coming from home. Mm-hmm. You've been there since four o'clock the afternoon. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, it, it's just a very difficult interface to understand. And, and it's, it's something that we kind of need to break down. But for me, what I advocate for with the people that I work with because when I'm working, I'm usually the most senior person on the floor mm. and everyone else is working with me or under me. And we, we, we need to, I usually advocate that these are people with stories as much as we are tired, but each person's story is important. Mm. And, and if everyone had that attitude, we'd see a big difference because literally you guys were saying like the, the best minds work in those hospitals. Mm. Personally, also, I'd, li- I'd love, if, if anything happened to me, take me to Shandon McClake because I know Prof Mueng will be there. Yeah. I know uh, Prof Dijanis will be at Barra. Mm. You know, those, that's how it is. Mm.
So we're joined in studio by South African Doing Great Things for this week, uh, Dr. Sivu Madigana, and he is a medical doctor, um, a public health advocate. And and part of the other thing we're going to touch on when we come back is um, you have quite an interesting idea about how we can leverage or use social media, uh, particularly with targeting young people and um, dealing with uh, or, or educating them about uh, communicable diseases. So we're going to touch on that. But of course, we're taking your calls and your questions for him. And particularly if you yourself are in um, the the health sector, uh, the public health sector, the private health sector, uh, maybe you're in primary health care as well. We'd love to hear from you on 021-446-0567. You can also call us on 011-883-0702. Or send us your SMSs on 31702 or 31567. Drop us a mail. Uh, it's googsm at 702.co.za. Still in our South Africans doing great things for this week and joined in studio by Dr. Sivile Madigana, who is our South African for this week. And taking your calls on 021-446-0567, Also take your SMSs on 31567 and 31702. So during the break, uh, Sivu goes, those were some very tough questions. Um, so I'm going to be nice. Uh, I don't know if you know of Vogue 73 questions list. So Vogue magazine has this thing. They find really cool people and they ask them really quickly, 73 questions. Oh, you no. need to answer them without <laughs> thinking. We'll try and get through as many of them. I don't think we'll get to 73. But because I, I'm a nice person, oh, I'll give you a break. So your favorite movie? Notting Hill. Really? Come on. Oh, okay. <laughs> favorite movie in the past five years? She's, I haven't watched movies in the past five years. So I don't go to the movies. Why not? Just I don't enjoy them that much. I used to sleep in movies. Yeah, so I have that problem as well. Like, I mean, my, <laughs> my friends have like to this. Sleep, right? Yeah, my friends have like this movie night thing on Tuesdays. I'm, I'm just. Movies are made for <laughs> sleeping because usually you're quite comfy. The lights are off. I mean, what else is meant it's to in the happen, dark. right? <laughs> Since I was a kid, I, I used to sleep in movies. Okay, a book you plan on reading. Uh, jeez, um, 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 The Alchemist. Really? Yeah. I read that. Okay, I'm not going to ruin it for you. <laughs> a book that you read in school that positively shaped you. Uh, geez, Googs. It can be a medical journalist, fine. <laughs> <laughs> can be The Lancet. It's all right. Um, which which one? Um, the Witches. The Witches? Mm, primary school. By um, Rodal. Okay. Favorite TV show that's currently on? So I don't watch TV as well, but I love Power. With um, isn't Fifty Cent in that, or yeah, used to be is, in it? Yeah, he's executive producer of the show. Okay. On a scale of one to ten, how excited are you about life right now? I guess one being least excited, ten being incandescent with excitement. I'm on eight point five. Where's the other one and a half? It's still coming as long as I get my funding. <laughs> okay. Uh, iPhone or Android? iPhone. Twitter, Instagram. Instagram, definitely. Who should everyone be following right now? Trevor Stearman. Okay, he's fantastic. What's your favorite food? I don't like food. Excuse me? I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I, My mom I, doesn't like food, so it would make sense. Yeah, I enjoy the Mexican bowl from one of our favorite restaurants in Santon. Mexican bowl. I just thought of KFC. Is it KFC? No, it's Tasha's, the Flamingo Room. Okay, all right, just get it clear. Your least favorite food? Uh, I don't eat avocado. Sure, this changes everything. Um, <laughs> we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> oh, this changes everything. What do you love on your pizza? Uh, mince. And? 
um, mince, I don't know, mozzarella. Um, You're a man of simple needs. Very simple. Favorite like, drink? Favorite drink, I'll say tea. Give me a rooibos tea. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm a medical doctor. I can't bring the profession into disrepute. Oh, okay. So that's okay. All right. Your favorite dessert? Favorite dessert, Marvel pudding. Uh, dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Dark chocolate. Coffee or tea? Tea. Uh, the hardest part about being a doctor? Breaking bad news. Yeah? Yeah. So having to tell patients' families that we couldn't save um i mean their mother their father anything you know yeah. it's always it's the most difficult part because they literally they hope until you come and tell them because mm. whatever you're doing in the resource bay stays in the resource bay and then when you come and tell them what the news are it's it's not great and i mean people say to themselves no news is good news so until you hear from the yeah. doctor you yeah. you're, you're optimistic or there's a bit of hope mm. and just to detract from the questions for a bit so I mean, do you guys get counseling? Because I imagine you see a lot of trauma. How do you deal with the kind of trauma that you can sometimes be exposed to? Look, we, I feel like a lot of medical professionals are very desensitized mm-hmm. in, in the sense that we have to deal with these things and therefore you can't be showing too many emotions, you can't be too emotional. But also when you're going through the studies, you do get um, taught how to deal with breaking bad news, how to deal with... Um, telling families what's going on. Hmm. Just, just you do get that counseling from psychologists, uh, that teaching as well. Hmm. Uh, so, but more could be done. It doesn't get any easier. Hmm. Especially even the older you grow, it doesn't get any easier. I mean, I become more emotional now that I'm turning 13. Like, oh. Really? Mm. Dr. Tlaleng, who I follow on Twitter, was saying there's been a spike in the number of um, suicides in doctors or concerningly. And mm. she was asking the question, you know, who looks after the caregivers? I remember seeing that tweet actually. I mm. think I retweeted that tweet that day, and and it's 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 quite an important question because we we have so much to 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 think about, so much to deal with as well. And 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 for me, it also comes back to to the issue of junior doctors, which mm. is something I'm quite passionate about. Mm. Uh, in the sense that, I mean, they work ridiculous number of hours because they're doing internship and they're called interns. Therefore, they must work thirty six hours. You're cutting your I mean, teeth. some of them. Yeah, literally some of them, like there was an intern in the Western Cape who was driving post-call, got into an accident. Sure. And I mean, who who's there for, for those people? Mm-hmm. It's sad. Mm. We've got Tabo in Soweto on the line. Tibos, good evening. Yes, ma'am. Um, I just want to congratulate the doctor for his achievements. Uh, and I just get the feeling we don't celebrate education enough in this country. And... The fact that there hasn't been anybody calling over the last 30 minutes just to say well done is an indictment, and I think South Africans should be ashamed of it. If a story of some silly politician breaks, the calls will be jamming your workstation. Mm. So I think, Doctor, what you're doing is brilliant. Uh, We need to ensure that this country goes to school. Uh, the Chinese and the Indians and the Germans and everybody are spending billions of rands and sending their children to school. And for South Africa PLC to continue to succeed and punch above its weight, we don't need uh, the leadership deficit that we see. What we need are people like yourself. We need them in parliament, in hospitals, in schools, 
And I mean, I'm inspired, man. I really am inspired. And well done and congratulations. And I would just like to ask South Africans to just call before you step out of the studio to say well done. That is all you deserve. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. You, Thank you for Thank your call, you. Tabo. All right, Tom. That's Tavo in Soweto. Looking at some of the SMSs, uh, Dima on Tron 702 saying, impressive young doctor, uh, Dr. Madigana, hoping most doctors get motivated and passionate about the public health of state hospitals will no doubt in, uh, improve tremendously. Z saying, I've been a doctor for more than 20 years. I love his thinking. This is what medicine is about. Daniel on 31702 saying, I'm a technician maintaining medical equipment in rural clinics. I take my hat off for so many volunteers that work without pay in some of the clinics for their love and dedication to keep communities healthy. Uh, Big up to them. That's a message from Daniel. See, my questions weren't tough. Well, they were tough-ish. Okay, back to the important questions. What's your favorite band? <laughs> <laughs> the real ones. Uh, my favorite band. Um, I don't know. Cause I study a lot, guys. <laughs> I feel like these are difficult things. You have no social life. <laughs> I have social life in the sense that I'm always working. Literally, yeah. I'm always working. So you're, you're my with friends. people. I'm with people all the time. Um I can't even tell you who my favorite musician is right now. Really? But I listen to a lot of music. I was listening to Soul Culture today okay. for the first time, like properly. And I know they've been around for a while, yeah. but I, I, I took time to listen to them. Because mm-hmm. if, 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 if I'm not at work, I'm busy doing proposals. If I'm not doing proposals, I'm doing something or the other. Like mm. I, I, I take life quite seriously. Really? Okay. If your life were a song, what would the title be? Living My Best Life. Whose song is that? Mine. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that up. If you could sing a duet with anyone, who would it be? Um, possibly Tandy Somazwai. She's amazing. She's her live performances are out of this world. She's fantastic. Um, if you could master one instrument, what would it be? The saxophone. Okay, to be or not to be? To be. Um, what number of questions is this? I can guesstimate that we're probably on 18. We're actually on 37. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dogs or cats? Neither of the above. Really? No. Kittens or puppies? Neither of the above. Dolphins or koalas? Dolphins. Dolphins are a bit violent, but okay. Bird They're watching really or whale though. watching? <laughs> whale watching or bird watching? Uh, whale watching. Uh, what is your spirit animal, your Patronus? Mm. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> the best gift you've ever received. Jeez, can I tell you, I don't receive a lot of gifts to start off with. Really? At all. Do like, you tell your friends that this is unacceptable? Or are you a man that has everything? Look, I don't have everything, but like I don't receive a lot of gifts just generally, even on my birthday. Really? Yeah. So the last gift you gave a friend? The last gift I gave a friend, probably for one of my friend's birthdays. Uh, that's a difficult one. Okay, well, skip it. A person you want to have coffee with? I'd really love to sit down with Oprah Winfrey. Really? Mm. I love her. Hey, we might... Where is she now? She's in... No, she's not in New York. I was going to say, you might be able to stalk her when you go to New York. We'll talk <laughs> about New York just now. Um, a historical figure you'd love to have coffee with? I would have loved to to be with Utatu Mandela. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it was a thing of... I just felt... He so I'm from Mtata, mm-hmm. Kwa Pain, mm-hmm. and 
literally our house is about 10 kilometers away from his house. Really? But I've never seen him. Like, I'd never seen him in person. Have you been to the house, his house? Never been. We always drive past. So from commuting from East, from Tata to East London, yeah. you can't miss his house because it's literally next to the freeway. Yeah. So we've always just seen the house every time when we, I mean, when I was a kid mm-hmm. growing up. So I've never been though, but I would have loved to sit down and pick his mind. How do you like your coffee? Do you take coffee? I don't drink coffee. It causes palpitations. Okay. The doctor has spoken. <laughs> um, what's your favorite curse word, if any? Don't say it on air. I've just realized you can't answer that question. Okay, question number 50, your favorite board game. Favorite board game, does does 30 seconds count? It does. Yes. Are you very competitive? Are you one of those people that gets hype? No, I'm one of those people that are like, calm down. Really? No need to fight. I fight. I get very upset because come on, we must win. Come on, guys. <laughs> not that serious. <laughs> We've got Pinky in Orlando and Soweto. Pinky, good evening. Hi. Oh, nice show. Thank you very uh, much, Pinky. I'd like to compliment the doctor there. You know, uh, these days, public health, uh, yeah, I really, really commend him for, for having confidence in the public sector because most black doctors, they run away. Mm. After qualifying, they just go for private practice. Mm. Uh, because of the, the type of useless government that we have, you know, you can, you can cry if you go to Barra. The situation there, I mean, really... <laughs> It can take you like 20 hours before you can get a bed between casualty and, you know, uh, going to, the, to, to be admitted to the ward. Mm. And, you know, in our black families, even if you can have medical aid, you will always have people around you, uh, your family members who don't have medical aid. And taking them to hospital, uh, it, it, I, I don't understand really what's going on. You know, ever since they introduced these tenders in hospitals, the messing up of things, you know, medicine. You know, in the past, doctors, nurses, it was such a pride. Every kid in town wanted to be a doctor or a nurse. They were still wearing lab coats. They were white. You know, hospitals were clean, even if they were old. But these days, you know, you struggle to get a stretcher or a wheelchair if you take a person who is like a disabled or unable to move by mm, himself. Mm, mm. They no longer help. You have, you and your relative, if you're, you're taking a relative who's like, who's very, very sick, you have, they have to be two or three of you. You end up being potters yourself. Mm. And you know, I don't understand really what the ANC, and you think of the money, the billions that the Guptas are draining with the help of this president. And when you look at the reality, if I live in Soweto, you know that I'm not allowed to be seen by a doctor in Ch- at Charlotte McGregor. And you see the illegal immigrants coming from all the way from Zimbabwe or anywhere. They get the privilege of being, of using our hospital, public hospitals, because, say, they live in Hillbrow, you know, they occupy, uh, they hijack buildings uh, next uh, in the cities, in the suburbs. Is it really fair? Because one nurse was even complaining, they want to run away again, so they say they can't cope. People come all the way from the neighboring countries. They just, they never attended uh, antenatal clinics. All they do is just to come here when they're about to have a baby and they say the strain, the nurses are, are really, really, you know, feeling the pressure. They're overcrowding. Mm. You know, they, that's why they are so irritable. You know, there was a time when I was, I didn't have medical aid. I would go, a simple thing like, 
going for dental cleansing at the nearest uh, clinic here. They said the machine is broken. When you check, you know, they did, uh, the technician uh, is on strike because he was never paid. You know, those funny, funny things. Mm, mm. And I was admitted at Barra at some stage. There was, there was no hot water. There, there were, the cleaners were not around. The nurses had to pitch in as cleaners. And it's not getting better. It's getting worse. What is going on? And then, you know, in the past, nurses and doctors never used to strike in. But these days, you've got... How we've got offices at Para. You know, there's just a mess in the country general. That's why I say when you get gentlemen like that one in the studio, you know, I'm filled with pride. I'm so happy. And Thank you very much for your call, Pinky. Yeah. Thank you. That's Pinky in Orlando. Teresa in Kensington. We'll touch on some of the issues Pinky's yeah. raised. But yeah. Teresa, good evening. Thank you for holding. Good evening. Hello, Teresa. Hi, hi. I've got my notes ready. Yes, go ahead. Yes, hi doctor and hi um the sorry the presenter. Mm. Enjoying the hi. show. Keep up the good work. And we are definitely listening and thoroughly enjoying the show and looking forward to NHS, I mean NHI. And thanks to Tabo for inspiring us and nudging us to call mm. and appreciate the doctor. Mm. Keep up the good work and uh, viva to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your call. That's Teresa in Kensington. Lydia in Soweto, good evening. Uh, good evening. I'd like to say hi to Dr. Matigani. I'm Lydia. Hello. Uh, hello. Dr. Matigan. Yes. This is Sister Lydia from Bella Vista Clinic. Uh, Sister Lydia, <laughs> how are you? I'm okay, yourself. I'm all right, thank you. We really It's one of my you. favorite sisters that I've worked with. Really? Yes. Yeah, I'd just like to say I'm very glad to hear all what you say is good and we really miss you. And the patients still miss you. And, uh, keep it up. Thank you so much. All right, thanks. Thank you, Sister Lydia. That's Lydia in Soweto. Um, someone saying on uh, SMS on 31702, uh, Shabir Hassan saying, I second the last caller, Doctor, you are a hero. Uh, anonymous saying the friend told the truth steve beaker is my most and extremely outstanding hospital i underwent brain tumor surgery and it was successful i don't go for any treatments that's from anonymous sarah saying god bless the doctor's hands um someone else also saying here um there are many doctors working under difficult conditions but doing the best that they can uh, and they don't get the kind of recognition they deserve and I mean, for a lot of people, the immediate reaction about public health is quite a negative one. Mm. And I always wonder what that's like as a, perhaps someone who works in the space to hear about the low opinion or the negative opinion or the negative experience. And even though you might be someone who's really doing your best, you know, how do you respond to what is often an overwhelming sentiment of unhappiness or negativity or whatever it is? Part of it is, is that for, for us, the work doesn't stop. Mm. Um, we, we have a lot of patients complaining. We have a lot of complaints coming through. But usually the complaints are not about the actual medical practitioners, be it the nurses, be it the doctors. It's, it's more about the system. Mm. And, and that doesn't deter people from working hard. Um, I was going to say, like, um, the caller from Soto was talking about Chris and Baragonath Hospital, which is... Chris Anne is the biggest hospital in the Southern Hemisphere. Still? Just in, yeah, just in terms of bed numbers. And, and 
it, in the sense that they they have to look after so many patients. Mm. I know doctors that work there every single day who are on call f- every five days, if not every four days. Sure. And and they have to deliver their work. Mm. And all of them are passionate about being at work. Mm. Um, as much as people might see it from the outside as these doctors are lazy. I mean, this doctor has probably seen 80 patients before you. Sure. And it's, it's, it, it's not the medical practitioners, but it's the system. And we need to fix the system and things around the system that make it malfunction. Mm. So the spaces that doctors, nurses, yeah. caregivers are doing their work. Exactly. I mean, there the, was the, the, the one, one of the public institutions, uh, I won't name them, but someone didn't service the autoclave machine. Now, the autoclave is part of what we use when we sterilize uh, things to make sure that they're ready for theater. Mm. And the person who didn't do that, mm. thus ensured that there won't be theater for probably two or three days. Sure. Or a full day, just imagine. So from the patient's perspective, the patient's family perspective, it's the medical practitioners that are making sure that they're not going to theater. However, it's what's happening behind mm. that people don't see. Mm. Or something you don't even know is such an important part, mm. Someone, like this machine. There's a hospital in the Eastern Cape that didn't order gloves for some reason. And to order gloves is not the responsibility of the medical practitioner, but it's the responsibility of people in admin. Mm. And there's nothing you can do on that day because you can't go into theater without gloves. Sure. So what do we do? And from my experience as a patient who's all uh, the family member of someone who is a patient, it's the whole thing is not working or the whole thing is not giving me the kind of help and assistance yeah. I want. But it's really about a person I don't even know who didn't order the gloves, for instance. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a system issue. We need to fix the system. And fixing the system means be it human capital, be it making sure that everyone is passionate, be it the processes that are in place to make sure that these things function. Mm. I mean, ordering stuff. I mean, we should not be running out of Panado as public hospitals. Mm. And we don't, don't we, it's not that we'd run out of it. It's just at the depot, they don't order enough. It's small things like that that mm. make it seem like this huge issue. And it does become a huge issue because you're unable to treat patients and that's what the patients receive. Mm. So you've just completed your MBA, but also then you're off to New York in September to study some more. You're off to uh, New York, NYU. Yes, NYU. And you're going to do uh, an MA and, well, another master's. Yeah, it's master's in public health. Why New York? <laughs> <laughs> you can give the formal answer, but also the real answer about why New York. Look, NYU's Global School of Public Health is in the top 10 uh, schools of public health in the USA. Mm. So for me, it was it, it was a no brainer when I got accepted, and also just on the real, I wanted to live in in, in another city. <laughs> just keep it one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> so how long will you be in New York for? I'll be there for a year and six months. Have you lived outside of the country before? No, I haven't. It's my first time. I mean, <gasps> what better way to experience it than to live elsewhere? That's quite exciting. Yeah. And you're off in September. In September. Uh huh. Well, all the very best with your masters. There were so many questions we didn't even get to, but we're out of time. Oh my gosh, is it over? (laughs) So much to say. Right? (laughs) But thank you very much for joining us. Um, It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It was a great interview. That's Dr. Sivile Madikana, South African doing great things for this week. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at the Sivu. That's T-H-E-S-I-V-U.